Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my good friend, Sean Morton, on the line with us today. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Hey, John. I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on, Sean. Can you uh, give your little introduction to yourself to the listeners? Sure thing. Yeah. So I'm Sean Morton. I am a professional photographer currently based just outside of Ottawa in Canada. And I work in the real world as mainly a portrait photographer. Um, I've been doing that for probably about 15 years now. Uh, but uh, I've been kind of taking pictures forever. Uh, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I've uh, been around been around the block for a while. And uh, photography is just kind of something that's been with me for as long as I can remember. Um, and it's, uh, it's, you know, what started out as, as a hobby uh, turned into a passion, turned into, turned into a living for me. Um, yeah. And, and I do all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I, I work uh, as a portrait photographer, but I, I photograph a lot, like pretty much everything. I'm just, I'm just a passionate photographer. Uh, I have so many interests and, and that reflects in the work that I do. Uh, and I also host a, a podcast as well, where I speak to photographers. It's the Archipelago Photography Podcast. So uh, I, I do something very similar to you. I get to explore um, people's lives and get to know them, which, uh, you know, as a, as a curious person really satisfies me. And uh, I just love sharing those stories. So yeah, I kind of, I wear a lot of hats, but uh, in a nutshell, that's who I am. Yeah. I love that. We're very similar in that regard. Um, I think it's funny. So I didn't know that I was super into photography until like two years ago when I lost my job in the pandemic and then sort of fell yeah. back in love with it. But as a kid, you know, my parents sold their house sometime last year. And when we were cleaning it out, I found all of these like 35 millimeter, three by five prints. And I was like, like me and my friends on like class trips and like all these like mm. events that we did as like, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. And I said to my mom, I was like, where did all these pictures come from? She's like, oh, John, you used to have me buy disposable cameras nonstop. And I'm <laughs> saying to her, I was like, how did it take 30 years beyond <laughs> this, right. this experience for me to know that I, I had always loved this? Um, yeah. Did you have a similar experience growing up that you were kind of like always with a camera in your hand? You know, it's interesting because as a kid, I don't think cameras really paid, played a big role in my life. You know, I didn't come from a family where photography was a big thing. Of course, you know, photos happened as, as they do with most, most folks. But I, I know for sure it started with that, you know, this is a common story where, oh, yeah, I did a, a high school class and we studied photography. And of course, back then it was analog, you know, so I got the chance to, to make some prints and to develop some photos in high school. And it piqued an interest and I really, really loved it. And I really became interested in the process of it. Um, and I didn't think too much of it at that time, but what ended up happening is after, after high school, I really didn't know what the hell I wanted to do with my life. Like most kids, I, well, I say that some people ha really know what, but I was one of those kids that had no clue. I mean, Ditto. I had no clue. And at that time, you know, I was big into computers. Uh, this was like early nineties. Um, and so my parents were like, well, why don't you study computer science? And I said, ah, good idea. That's a great idea. Hated it. Like just hated it. You know, um, I loved computers, but programming was, you know, just not for me. 
and I, and I, t- I tried to tough it out. I did it for like two and a half years in college, just hated every day. Jeez. But as electives, uh, I had the chance once again to do a photography class. So I ended up in this one college I was at, I, I signed up for photography. I did this class and I really loved it. And it, it turned out that a good friend of mine, actually one of my best friends, he kind of had a better sense of where he wanted to go. You know, he, he basically knew that he wanted to be a filmmaker. And so we had, we sort of developed this interest of photography and filmmaking and cameras around the same time. And it was about two and a half years into this, you know, study of computer sciences that I said, what am I doing? You know, Mm. why am I in this program? I hate it. There's this other thing I really love. And so I basically dropped out of what I was doing and I jumped into a new school and I started into an arts program. Uh, and in that program, I actually studied film and radio and television and photography. So it's a very generalized course, but image making was really the, the thing for me. And if you asked me back then what I was going to do with my life, I was sure I was going to be a documentary filmmaker. Uh, I, was, I made a lot of student films. You know, this is, I mean, eight millimeter and, and video, of course, was was uh was happening then too so i was you know making movies uh, on video um and i really really was interested in storytelling telling people's stories was just i was passionate about it and to the point where um i i applied for university uh for film production and at the time i was living in montreal um and uh, so i applied to concordia for film production well between college and university I took the summer off and a friend of a friend of, of mine and myself decided to hitchhike across Canada. Hmm. That changed everything for me. <laughs> I, I did this trip, you know, I mean, we literally, you know, had backpacks and everything I had, you know, my, my parents moved away from Montreal. So I was kind of on my own. Uh, I, I literally was living out of a backpack for that summer. And I, I kind of decided, you know, I, this, this was something it changed something for me that summer because I came back, I went to university. I, and I swear to God, John, I had the shortest university career ever because I sat, this is no joke. I sat down for the first class of film production and by the break. So about an hour or so into the class, I was like, no, this is not for me. And I walked out of class and I never came back. So I went to university for exactly one half of one class <laughs> of film production and that's it. But I just, I just had the sense that I wanted to explore the world a bit and I wasn't ready to be tied down for, you know, school and debt. I, you know, I had no money. So I was going to have to take out massive student loans. You know, film production is not a cheap program to be in. And so I sort of shelved all that for a while. And I really spent a few years just kind of bumming around. I mean, uh, I always, it's kind of a joke, but uh, I say I blame Jack Kerouac. You know, I read on the road and it's true. I read on the road and I just kind of, yeah, it's true. John, I I literally own the domain name. I blame Jack Kerouac.com. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of these days I'm going to tell a story of those, those years of my life where I literally was just sort of wandering aimless. I, I, you know, I was disillusioned. And I think like a lot of young people, you know, like North American kids, I, I just felt disillusioned with, you know, the way society wanted me to go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, that's not me. I didn't fit that mold. I, 
I, I just, I needed to explore the world and really what it was, I need to explore myself and really discover who I was, you know? So I kind of, I, you know, I kind of spent a few years wandering aimlessly. I was in British Columbia and I planted trees and I, you know, I lived on a beach and a tent, you know, I did all these really cool things and really, you know, I mean, it was tough for sure, but I wouldn't trade it in for a second. You know, I mean, yeah. I saw my friends, you know, going on having careers and families and that was not me at that time, you know, but, uh, eventually, you know, I, I sort of settled down and I, I started working again and, and doing, you know, sort of real world stuff. <laughs> and, and what ended up happening is the camera was something that was just with me throughout, you know, I, I would have even, even tree planting, like I'd have a camera in my tree planting bag and I documented the whole summer of, of planting trees all across Northern British Columbia. And, um, and, Hopefully, you know, I haven't shared those images really yet, but that's, that's another project for another day. Oh, um, cool. But yeah, photography and, and telling those stories visually was just something that I, I just did. And it was, you know, it was a classic thing where I said, this is, that's my dream job. Being a photographer is my dream job. And I, and I did that forever. I, I just sort of did it as, as a passion on the side, but I never really had the courage to do it. But when my, I had two kids and when my oldest daughter was born and she's just turning 18 this month, when she was born, I was shooting a lot of film because as a, you know, as a parent, you take a lot of pictures mm -hmm. of your kids, right? And this is just at the time when, when digital was just sort of becoming something that you could get into as a consumer. And so you know, spending a ton of mo money processing film and I decided, okay, I'm going to buy my first digital camera, which, you know, probably was like a, I don't know, four megapixel <laughs> thing cost a thousand dollars, you yeah. know, ridiculous, uh, Nikon something or another. And that's when I said, you know, I took another look at this, this dream and this passion of mine. And I said, I need to do this. I need to, you know, have the experience. I'd gone to school. I'd learned the skills. I'd, I'd spent many, many years, shooting you know i knew what i was doing it wasn't like the camera was something new for me i i was confident in my skills and so you know i decided to start to just offer it as as something i did on the side um man am i getting way off topic here you're like no, how did you get into this no 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 this is a yeah um and it, it and you know it just I, and I think a lot of people go through this as photographers. You just sort of start doing little jobs here and there, mm -hmm. right? It's doing portraits, shooting, you know, weddings here and there, doing family photos, that kind of thing. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And, and it was interesting because, you know, I sort of feel like I came full circle where I studied film and photography and I loved storytelling and, and, documenting life really and then it sort of became you know I, I i i wouldn't say i would say i was doing more like landscapes and and abstracts and macro i was doing all kinds of stuff John. Mm -hmm. but i didn't really realize that i i think i kind of forgot is, is what happened is, is during that time i forgot that i really love telling people stories and so I really became a portrait photographer is, is what I'm getting at here because, you know, it, it took a while to, to really sink in that this was, this was just something. And, and I guess 
I guess what it was is uh, like you, like I just have a curiosity to know uh, people's stories. And of course the camera was sort of my, my way in to tell those stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, of course, eventually it sort of got to this point where I was, I was doing other things. I mean, I worked, I worked a lot of different jobs in in my life. I've done all kinds of crazy shit. Same. Pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. But, I curse uh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I worked as a greenhouse technician. I built greenhouses. I, I did all these interesting things in my life um, and, and documented that, you know, with, with the camera, of course. Right. But yeah, I, I, I think at some point I, it, it became something had to give because I was working literally two full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, like something's got to give either. I got to like quit taking pictures, you know, or, or tone it down or, or just, you know, and it, it sort of became to the point where the day job just became so soul sucking yeah. <laughs> as I'm sure lots of people can relate to mm-hmm. that. I said, I, I've had enough. I've really had enough. And and I just quit. I said, no, that's it. Like you guys are killing me. And, you know, I had at this now, now I've got, uh, you know, I had a baby, I had a new baby at home. Worst time to sort yeah. of give up a day job and security, <laughs> but I just had enough. I said, I can't do this anymore. And, um, and so I, I just quit and, and I decided, you know, I'm going to do this full time. Um, and it's the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Like there's, there's hands down. I, I, I you know, I have, Again, I have no regrets. I'm so happy because it's, I think I'm blessed to say, to be able to say that I love what I do. I really do. I mean, I'm passionate about it. You know, it's stressful at times. Like, you know, you do client work, you have commercial clients, they have high expectations and it's tough. But at the same time, I, I just, you know, again, it comes back to that, that endless curiosity it 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 keeps me it keeps me interested yeah. in what i'm doing you know i'm never i'm never bored taking photos it always recharges me if i'm feeling down if i'm frustrated if i pick up one of these cameras sitting on the table beside me here and i go outside and i just photograph anything i come back i feel better i don't it doesn't matter Same. if i get a good shot yeah. you know it's just it's just and that's one thing that's one thing i like to talk about a lot is that when you're out taking photos, it's almost like, it's like a mindfulness exercise mm. because you see the world differently, right? Yeah. Like you go out there and you're very, you have to be aware because you're, you're looking, you're actually looking for moments and it doesn't matter what you're doing. If it's people, if it's trees, plants, whatever, sunsets, you're really focused and you're really mindful of the world around you. And so I think without realizing it, a lot of times, you know, photographers are practicing mindfulness because they're really paying attention to the world around them. And they're seeing, you know, they're, they're, you're seeing and you're being present. And that's a state of mind that a lot of people have to work, work for and have to be really intentional about doing. But I think it's just an incredible side effect of being a photographer. It's just something that comes naturally. I love that. I think the greatest lesson that I've learned since I picked up a camera full-time almost two years ago now is that exact, I I would never have described it as mindfulness, but the way I see life now is completely different, right? Like Mm. the small little moments of like my niece giggling and, or some guy 
you know, putting change in a parking meter, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Life is more like a song and a dance for me now. And like there is intentionality behind the things that I do that I think prior to picking up a camera as my vocation, I didn't live like that, right? Like I didn't have that connection with life. I was much more concerned with the materialistic things, how many Instagram followers I had, shit like that don't yeah. that don't matter. Um, yeah. But considering it as a mindful practice of life, I think that's that's really great. I love that. I like that a lot. Um, I'm super curious how your career evolved. You know, you've you've been doing it for 15 plus years. Um, you have a balance of personal work and commercial work. Does it ever feel like work for you? Are you ever like, oh shit, I don't want to do that? Well, yes, it does. It does and it doesn't, and it, and it, and that's. The answer is it depends, but I, I will elaborate on that for sure. <laughs> because, I mean, I spent a good chunk of the last, you know, 15 years doing a lot of portrait work for other people. And that, like I said, that's, you know, headshots, uh, branding kind of stuff, mm-hmm. commercial portraits, a lot of weddings, a lot of family, family photos, that sort of thing. And the difference between working for someone else and working on a personal project is is pretty big i would say there there is a satisfaction so so i'll back up a bit so let's say i'm shooting a wedding like you know it's a sometimes it's an 8 10 12 hour day uh mentally that is incredibly exhausting because I, I, have you ever have you ever photographed a wedding thankfully no Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah you, you either do or you don't. Like yeah. there is no, yeah. <laughs> you either can or you can't kind yes. of thing. Mm-hmm. People, you know, some people try it and they're like, hell no, they cannot do it. It's so not much for respect. Them. So much respect. It is, <laughs> it is, I, I couldn't fathom the, yeah. the bandwidth it takes to be a wedding photographer. It is right. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, it mentally. So, so for one, it's, it's incredibly demanding. Like you cannot screw it up. You cannot, mm-hmm miss those moments it's high pressure it's yeah. high stakes and particular particularly if you get into you know um i mean i've been doing it for a long time so i can command a higher price point when i'm doing it so people are spending a lot of money so expectations are high that i'm going to deliver yep. all day long mm-hmm. you know uh so so there's that aspect which you know adds a level of stress but not just that is that when you're doing that when you're in that in that mode of photographing that wedding, you are always on, like your brain does not shut off. You cannot stop. Uh, you can't relax. You're, so you're always, you're always looking for the, and I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I bring that, that documentary, that storytelling vibe to my work. A lot of times my wedding clients will just be amazed at the moments that I've captured. They won't even realize that, that I was capturing these moments, you know, cause it's like, and that's the thing is because you, you need to be always on. You're always looking. You're looking for moments. You, you know, you're, you're a storyteller. You're, you become a photojournalist. Mm-hmm. You're doing reportage, you know. So you really have to pay attention. And, that is, and doing that 8, 10, 12 hours a day, uh, all day long, it's exhausting. I come home from a wedding and I'm done. Yeah. Like I am just. Shower in bed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, I. I could barely, you know, muster the energy to dump the the cards onto uh onto my hard drives, you know, and then I'm just yeah, I crash because it's exhausting. So there's that part of it, but 
the other thing is is that you're creating you're creating for someone else you know which and, and i'll say a couple things about that so one thing is that it can become really repetitive hmm. you know i mean i'll i'll see the same let's for example i'll see the same efficient you know five six times in one summer <laughs> yeah he'll he'll have the same spiel yeah. you know five or six times and to me it's like Oh yeah, I know that. Or or someone will say a wedding speech and be like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard this one before, right? Yeah. But then, but then there's there's another aspect where, like, let's say a, a dad's giving a speech to his daughter and it's an emotional one. Like, I'll be fighting back tears and I'll be like, I'll realize that like I am just so honored to be privy to those special moments. Yeah. And there's another thing is that sometimes I'll capture photos for clients. And at the time, myself and the clients won't really realize the significance of them. And the classic example of I can think of, and I sort of goosebumps when I think about these moments, is that, you know, I mean, I can tell you about a, a bride who, who lost her dad not long after the wedding. You know, he wasn't well, he was, he was very sick. And so those photos like of her and those very, like those intimate moments that I captured with her and her dad, like they just became like such tremendous memories and incredible keepsakes and heir family heirlooms, you know? So there, there's a couple things there, right? Like one, it's like, it's tough to do those things. It's tough to do them again and again, and it can be tiring and it can feel, it can feel repetitive and monotonous and and not as interesting for me but i do have to remind myself sometimes that even though it might not always feel incredibly special to me it is incredibly special yeah and it 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 is it is an honor to get to do those kind of things um so there, you know, it's, it's like, it's like an onion. There's so many layers yeah. to, to the work, right? I mean, there is like the, you're immortalizing a moment in someone's life that like you yeah. said, can be incredibly monotonous and repetitive for you, but for them, yeah. it's going to last a lifetime, right? Like those images yeah. got Or willing. beyond a lifetime, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you think about like somebody's wedding photos. Now they go and they make a photo book and then that photo book ends up being something that their kids have and their grandkids have. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I've got a photo of my grandmother as a young woman with cross country yep. skis in the snow. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like, it's the most yeah. incredible thing. Right. Like, yeah. it's just like, wow. You know, and she looks like my mom, you know, but it's like, that's a keepsake, you know? And so when we think about the work we're doing and, you know, I mean, that's just a photo of my grandma holding skis, you know, but for me, it's become something so powerful, you know, mm. she's not around anymore. And these are these special memories. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting that, that we sort of become, as photographers, we become, we become people who create memories because oftentimes our, our memories are, are tied to images. These are moments that would be forgotten otherwise. Yeah. And those memories help plant those, those memories in our minds for beyond our lifetimes. Totally. Sometimes. I think it's, that's, I think that's why I found myself, uh, so drawn to street and documentary photography because it gives mm -hmm. me an opportunity to photograph a moment in time in my life that I wouldn't have otherwise. Right. Like if I don't yeah. put my camera in a bag and go into the city and take pictures, 
those images, I mean, sure, maybe someone else is out there doing the same thing, but it wouldn't exist for me in this moment in my life. Um, yeah. I find it funny that we have a similar you know, journey across the country story. When I lost my job during the pandemic, I did the same thing. I packed my car, drove across the country, took a million photos. And yeah, nice. I'm super curious if the that sort of commonality, that journey that a creative needs to take is something that everyone needs to experience, right? Like, you know, there are some people who are blessed to have the ability to know that they wanted to be a photographer at 12 years old, right? And pick up a camera and then they're doing it their whole lives. That wasn't me. It was sort of to some extent you. But that journey where I sort of found myself and my love occurred on the road alone in solitude and in the ability for me to connect with something at a time where I needed to. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of your own experience on that journey and that trip and how it sort of molded the creative path for you later on in life. You know, I, I think it, I think a lot of people miss that opportunity to not just explore the country and the world, but explore themselves. And, and I alluded to that when I talked about that, that experience as a young man taking that time to to get away to disconnect because i mean life is busy and it's easy to just kind of get on a track with you know we we ride the rails of of where society wants us to go and expectations and and job and and you know security and all those things but i i i guess you know i, I if i can make an analogy it's like it's like hitchhiking you know, which I did a lot of in that time, <laughs> you're kind of, you're opening yourself up to serendipity. You're opening yourself up to, to the unknown. You know, when I put my thumb out on the road, I don't know when someone's going to pick me up. I don't know who's going to pick me up. I don't know, you know, where I'm going to end up at the end of that ride, you know? Um, and that, that can seem scary, but I think, I think if you're, if there's no fear, <laughs> you know, if you're just living comfortably, then, and you're not challenging yourself in whatever way that, that means to you, then you're not, maybe you're not really living life to the fullest. I don't totally. know if that makes sense, but no, it does. I think it's important. I think people need to get out of their comfort zone. I think people need to experience the unknown. And I think, definitely people need to experience themselves. And you, you talked about this, like you did your trip solo, right? Like it's a solitude thing. And it's a, it's a getting to know yourself because I mean, a lot, I mean, look, a lot of people just, you know, you get into relationships and you become really enmeshed and embedded. And that's not a bad thing. I have an amazing, incredible partner and I'm blessed uh, to have her in my life and, and, and to go through life with her. But I'm incredibly grateful that I got to spend so much time alone in my life and get to really explore who I am. And I think that even if you've done that and, and now it's funny because we, you know, my partner and I went for a nice walk yesterday and we talked about that, you know, because it's, I mean, look, we've, we've been in this pandemic. We've kind of, we've kind of been stuck, you know, in the, in the house together <laughs> for, for the last two years. And, you know, we're driving each other crazy. We, we love each other and like each other, but we also get the, on each other's nerves, you know, all the time because it's tough. It's, it's tough for everyone. Um, but we talked about the fact that um, it's important to do things on our own, yeah. you know, and, 
And I talked about, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm at this point where pretty soon I need to go do a solo trip and take pictures. I just need to go. And it, it doesn't matter how long it is, if it's one day, if it's five days, if it's two weeks, but I need to go somewhere and have that experience of, you know, quiet reflection, quiet reflection and, and, and meditative. And, and it's just, I think it's important. I think some people are scared to, to look at themselves, you know, and to, to get to know themselves and, and really turn the mirror on themselves. Mm-hmm. I liken it, to, I liken it to self-portraiture, which, which I do a fair bit of. And it's interesting because some people have a lot of negative thoughts about self-portraiture. They go, oh, it's, you know, it's a, it's just a, something you do to pump your ego up. But I don't look at it at all like that. I look at it as self-portraiture as, as a way to, you know, uh, it's like a journey of self-exploration. It's a journey of discovery. And I mean, you know, I could show you self-portraits from when I was in college studying photography, and I could show you some self-portraits from, you know, yesterday in my backyard with my medium format film camera, just because I was like, I got to go outside and take some photos, you know, Mm. (laughs) and there's no one else around. So, (laughs) um, but it's interesting that I think it's important. I think you need to, you need to, you need to explore who you are and, and, you know, that, that, Sean, I think, you, so- I think you said something important because it's, it is something that I've harped on quite a bit on my podcast is that so much of my life was pre-planned and pre-scheduled out, yes. right? Like I had to do well in high school so I could go to a good college, so I could get good grades yep. in college and get a good job so that I could get a nice car and a nice watch and then another new job, making more money, doing something that I didn't care about or want to do, but I was making more money so I was happier. So then I had to get another nice job to get a better car, to get another watch. And all the while, you're sitting there and I never once asked myself, am I happy? I never once sat with myself and pondered the question of what am I doing and why am I doing it, right? And I don't know if it takes, you know, being 30, uh, I'm 36 now, like I don't know what, you know, there are a number of trigger points in life, right? Turning 30 is a good key moment. A pandemic doesn't hurt, right? But like (laughs) all of these things start, you know, building up up on yourself and you start wondering like, what the fuck am I doing, right? Like, what is the reason that I'm here? What am I trying to do with this life? And it's a shame and it's also a blessing that it took, you know, 15 plus years beyond college for me to realize I don't want to be doing this stuff. I want to be fulfilled and happy and having a nicer car or a better watch or whatever. Those things don't matter to me anymore. I want to be fulfilled in my daily life. And I think what you've hit upon is, is crucially important and something that we need to start having conversations about at a younger age. You know, the, the context of what adulthood is and when it begins is different than it used to be, right? We're no longer you know, 18 years old, 20 years old, you're not an adult, right? You have to grow. You have to like live some life. And I think I'm just now understanding who I am as a human being. And that took 36 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You talked about (laughs) what it, what it means to be an adult. I'll tell you my, one of my favorite all time quotes is from uh, the author, Tom Robbins. And it's this, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. (laughs) And I, and I totally, I like to, I like to think of that often. I like and that. Having kids, having kids makes reminds us, you know, that uh, yeah. I never. Matter. I like, got to be honest. Things don't matter, right? I <laughs> haven't pondered the question. I had uh, photographer Bella Kotick on the on the podcast yesterday or the day before yesterday, yeah. and I'd never questioned 
that premise of what when it means to be an adult and when I felt like an adult. And you go yeah. through things in life. You pay bills. You go to college. You live on your own. You move out. You do all these things that, like, quote, unquote, make you an adult. But, like, I don't know that those are, like, milestones that are factually connected to the the sense of self and the understanding of who I am as a person. And yeah. it's funny because each day as I go about my life now, I'm incredibly centered and grounded in who I am and I know who I am. But I yeah. didn't know who that person was a year ago or two years ago or three years ago or five years ago. But I was in my 30s. Yeah. I'm an adult, right? Yeah. It's very yeah. interesting. It is interesting. And, you know, and you're still the same person looking in the mirror that you were, you know, when you were five years old, 12 years old, you know, 20 years old, right? You know, you're still looking in those same eyes. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I think it comes down to, uh, it comes down to just being curious. I, I think that's such an important thing. And I think it's something we lose as adults. Mm -hmm. We become complacent, you know, we settle, we settle for the life we've got. We, and if you don't stay curious, you know, I think you kind of die a little bit inside, yeah, I agree. you know? Um, and I think that's what, and people are always surprised. They're like, what? I, you know, like I'm, I'm turning 48 and people are like, what? No, you're not 48. Yeah, like, I well, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel 48. I still feel like a child sometimes. And I still act like a child sometimes, you know, which I think is a good thing, you know? Um, uh, but you know, I just think having curiosity will keep you young. Yeah. And I think that, that translates into what I do as a photographer. Um, and I'm lucky that, you know, I, I can go out with the camera and I can go on the street and it can, you know, the other day, like we've got a big protest happening uh, in, in downtown Ottawa, close to where I live. And I just went downtown with my film camera and I did street portraits of the protesters. I just went up to people. I found the most interesting people I could find. And um, whether or not I, I agree with them or not, it's a whole other question. <laughs> but I was just like, you know, I want to I want to capture the images of these people. And I got to talk with them. And, you know, and I, and I think that's one thing coming back to, you know, your trip and doing a solo trip. And, and people, um, it's easy to just kind of, settle where you are physically in the world and not really not only not explore yourself but not explore the world and i think it's like so much value in just getting out of your comfort zone in terms of where you live mm -hmm. and going and and just making those connections because and, and that's one thing photography teaches you is that like we're all the same like we all want the same things it doesn't matter you know what political party you stand behind or what your religion is or where you're born like Every one of us wants the same thing. We all have the same needs. And uh, I've, I love photography in that it's been a bridge to connect me with people. And it's been an excuse, you know, for going up to someone with a camera has been an excuse for me to connect with so many people. And I love that. I mean, I love just going out. Uh, we talk about refreshing, you know, and, and in terms of the, the, the practice of photography, but like for me to go out on the street and to go up to strangers and, and talk to them and, and, you know, get to know a little bit about them and take a portrait, like there's so much satisfaction in that. It's like what we're doing here. You know, I'm getting to, to learn about you and, and vice versa. And, and it's just, I mean, you know, we're, we're social creatures and we, you know, we, we tend to these days sit in our little boxes of isolation, you know, mm. and how, whatever form that takes, particularly with the pandemic, it's been tough. But, you know, if we can reach out and make these connections and, and I mean, we're hardwired to tell stories, right? As, yeah. as a species, we're hardwired to be social and to connect and to share stories. And there's, there's power and there's, there's something energizing and, and something important that is, it's in our DNA. And, uh, 
you know, photography is just a, a good excuse to, to make those connections. I completely agree with you. Um, I, it's funny. So, you know, I, I struggle with right now, like figuring out the, the destination I want for my career, right? Like I, I mm. am struggling with the type of, not the type of photography I want to do, but the type of photographer that I want to be. Like what stories yeah. do I want to tell with my art? And I yeah. think that's fine. Like I'm an infant in this in this game, right? Like I've not been doing this long enough to know who I am and what I'm doing with my art, right? Um, you strike me as a person that has honed their craft and their and their storytelling for a long period of time, and I'm super curious on what you envision your career looking like with like things like the development of Web three and mm-hmm. the journey that we're seeing this huge revitalization of artists and storytellers um, on online now, and sort of what you can envision yourself being in the future. It's interesting because as I alluded to in the real world, I mainly work as a portrait photographer and that's how I, you know, that's how I brand myself on my website in, you know, in quote unquote, the real world. Right. Um, because I kind of feel like you, you know, if you're doing photography as a business, you really have to, you, you don't have a choice. I mean, you know, I've tried showcasing a little bit of everything on my website before, and it's confusing to people. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, there's no, you're not sending a clear message. You're not positioning yourself as I, I'm an expert in this. So, so I think that aspect is one direction uh, that my life will continue to go in. I will still, you know, go out here where I live. I will still photograph people. I will still take their portraits. I love doing that. And I'm going to keep on doing that. And I don't think I'll ever stop doing that. Um, Web three, and and the whole NFT world and and photography and and the way that this space is developing has really forced me to reflect on on how how am I going to integrate what I do into that this new I call it a new space this new world really right mm-hmm. because it really is I mean it's it's something new it's 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 young, it's in its infancy. I'll say it this way. I say that there is so much potential for artists and photographers specifically. And I've mentioned this before as we're speaking that I'm a really curious photographer and, and I shoot a lot of different things. Um, and and that, has, that has been a struggle in the real world to to let, to, I guess, to, to showcase that work. Like, how do I, for example, like, how do I photograph my photos of the Montreal subway system or how do I, and where do I showcase my, you know, two, three years series of ice shacks that mm-hmm. I've been photographing, you know, these are, are so pro- cool, by the way, sorry to interrupt you. Oh <laughs> no, my they, God. They, so fucking cool. Yeah. Sorry. Gone. <laughs> no, that's all good. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're friggin' awesome and I love them yeah. and it's, 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 and that's like, yeah, that's something that sort of grew out of the pandemic. That's a whole other story we could talk about. But um, how do I, because in the real world, right? Like as a portrait photographer, there was no place for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, sure, I could I could try to talk to a gallery or try to, you know, I could do a blog post and that kind of thing. But it it doesn't, it's, it's not the same as, as what we're seeing happening now in Web3. So I'm looking at Web3. And I am friggin' excited because 
I see that with Web3, now these very specialized, these very unique personal projects have a platform and have a space that they can exist and truly be appreciated and truly get an audience. You know, we're seeing, we're seeing artists um, become collectors. You know, we're, we're seeing artists curating work uh, in Web3 that in a way that's never happened before. There's never been an opportunity for that to happen before. So when I first came into the NFT world and Web3 and I was unsure, you know, how, how am I going to position myself? Like I'm a portrait photographer and I shoot all these different things and I've got this incredibly diverse. I mean, I've got decades of work under my belt. I have so much work. How do I share it? So not to say that it's easy because it's not, because there's still a crap ton of marketing and branding and, and planning and, and positioning and, 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 and thinking that has to go into the way I do present that work. But I've realized that the way I, and the way I position myself in this world is that my diversity is my strength. Hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not just a street photographer, but I do street photography. I'm not, you know, you know, I can use the hashtag ice shack, man, because it's <laughs> awesome. And I, I love my ice shacks, but that's not all I'm doing, right. you know? Um, but I've got the opportunity to showcase my diversity and that, that can be my superpower. You know, that can be my strength as an artist in this space is I can be the person that is going to release a collection of ice shacks, you know, one day. And then, and then the next collection is street, street portraits of, of people on the street and telling their stories, you know? So I think it's tremendously exciting. Um, you can hear it for, in your voice. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's thrilling. And it's, I, I mean, I've become a little obsessed with it, uh, but it's, I, and I think a lot of people who maybe have, you know, d gotten into this world can relate that it's, it's really, it's really something different. Yeah. It is for sure. And it, it, it's not, it's not untrue. Like I said, like the artists are becoming the curators. The artists are becoming the collectors of art artworks. You know, you're seeing artists with virtual galleries of NFT collections from other photographers, photographers from other artists. And that's, that's unprecedented, you know, where the gatekeepers are gone. In a, in a sense, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's 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 opened so many doors and so many opportunities, and uh, uh, I'm just excited to see where it goes, and and uh, I'm excited about my place in it. And you know, as like yourself, John, I mean, I've made so many connections with so many incredible artists, not just photographers, but uh, so many tremendous artists. That as someone who loves to share stories, and and not just stories, but to share work of others, it's it's been it's been so enriching and yeah. so exciting in so, so many ways. I agree with that completely. I am, I love the space for how it is now managed to connect me with a group of people that I feel like a genuine part of the community. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not to say I'm like super into NFTs right now. It's funny. I, I'm struggling with this, the, the, the duality of the NFT and the, and the Web3 space because on one hand, like I want to support my friends who create amazing art. Um, but like I've, I've just bought prints from two of my friends versus 
some of their NFTs because for me, right. my struggle right now and like I when when NFTs first got hot like six seven eight months ago, whenever like everything sort of blew up with the Board Eight Yacht Club and everything that it started yeah. the gold rush, right? It was happening. I put yeah, a collection yeah. up on OpenSea and I didn't sell a single print and I, uh, a single NFT and I was like, this is so dumb. And I put no <laughs> thought process into what I was putting out. Right, I was just like throwing yes. shit at a wall and hoping something would stick. Exactly, and yeah. I didn't have any intentionality behind what I was doing. And I deleted the entire collection because there was no point for it to exist. So I'm now in the process of building my first real collection of NFTs. Yes. And my struggle is that I'm going to do a connection between the digital NFT and the negative of the film, right? So like there will be a street photo that I'll sell as an NFT, but when you purchase this NFT, you're also going to get the negative. So there is that connection yeah. between the physical and the digital space. And that is sort of where I'm having the dilemma of this space right now. I find it wildly fascinating and exciting and wonderful, but I struggle with the fact that we work in a physical medium that exists in real life. And I like I, my apartment walls are covered in art, like photographs and paintings yep. and physical stuff, right? And I understand the utility of this stuff down the road, right, in the digital yep. space. But to me, we these beautiful works of art are things that I want to touch and feel and maybe yep. not just look at on a screen. And that's the only thing where I'm I'm like I'm I've I've now reorganize my thoughts on it and i i'm so excited about the community aspect of it and i'm so excited about the long-term utility of it just yeah. in terms of my own utilization of it i've been struggling with how i want to sort of marry my art with the space um yeah. but i do agree it's so exciting and you can hear it in your voice you're excited about it too and just being able to have these conversations with someone who i met online like two weeks ago is so yeah. cool like you, we wouldn't yeah. have been having this conversation six months ago let alone six years ago yeah yeah it's interesting and and, and i've thought about that too and, and i know a lot of artists are thinking about that is how to bridge how to bridge that world i mean if 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 you're a client of mine in the real world, the one thing I tell you, you have to do is print your photos. Yeah. No matter what you do, just don't leave them as digital files. Like make a book. Like when you're holding that physical book, flipping the pages, looking at those photos, that's pure magic. And you can't replicate that, you know? And, and like I said, like those, those become special heirlooms, you mm -hmm. know, that can last generations. So there is no end to the value in that. And I'm like you, I, I actually, as this NFT photographer that I met a few weeks ago, I ordered a, a photo. She, she has a book. I ordered a book and, and a print and I'm just waiting for that to arrive. Yeah. I have boxes and boxes. I have so many prints. I can't yeah. even put them all on the wall because I, yeah, I'm just, you know, I just love the tangibility, you know, that the physical print is so important to me. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to hear what you're doing with the, with the negative and, and, and bringing that together. And it's going to be really interesting, right? To see how do we, as artists, bring those two worlds together because they both have tremendous value. And if you can, and if you can merge those together in different ways and we see it happening, we see artists, you know, I mean, I, I know another photographer who, if you buy the NFT, you get a metal print of oh, the cool. image, you know? So like there's, there's some really cool creative ways to that we're going to see develop uh, out of this. Um, 
It's an exciting. Yeah, it's, it's an exci- It's the first it time. Is. Like and I know. I've, I've like I, I. I. I'm an infant in this. In this space, yeah. and I. It's just exciting that in just the short while that I've been here, my opportunities to earn a living has expanded tenfold in five yeah. minutes, and that in and of itself is an exciting thing because it's no yeah. longer. Oh man, you know I got to hope to get lucky and get a good job, and or right. you know book myself five gigs or whatever. It's now I can start streamlining a steady source of income for myself, and then be able to work on projects that I'm more excited about versus taking a job because I got to pay my rent. Um, yeah, which I find very exciting. Um, yeah, you've had the benefit of of a longer career. Obviously, you've been doing it longer than I. Um, what inspires you daily now to go out, pick up a camera, and make art? I mean, look, uh, like I've said before, and I'll say it again, like I've just, I just have s- such a curiosity and uh, about everything. I, and, and that reflects in the fact that I shoot everything, you know, I, there's not a style of photography I haven't tried because I just have s- this endless curiosity, but also too, like, I'm just, it's not just something I love doing. I'm, I'm compelled to do it. It's like, it's yeah. a need for me, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and that's, you know, that's something that has grown and evolved and changed. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's times where I don't pick up a camera for days, um, but it's pretty rare. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's pretty rare because I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm just driven to, to capture, to capture images. And it's just, it's just, a, I feel like it's just a part of my DNA and I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I'd say I'm just, I love, you know, and, and we talked about this very early on, right. And how photography you know, we talked about it being a, a practice of mindfulness and how it changes. The big thing I think is that it changes the way you see the world. You know, totally. you see, you see beauty everywhere. You can't, you can't escape it. Mm. I mean, once you have that way of seeing I feel the world, like, sorry, I feel like it's made me it. such a better person. It's so like yeah. dumb to say, but like, I, I, there's just something, something that has changed inside me that they're like, I'm not as morose or, negative of a person since I found something that I love. And like, I think that's important. It doesn't have to be photography for someone, right? It can be anything. It can be writing. It could be a musical instrument, whatever. But when you find something that like actually genuinely makes you happy outside of going to work and being in a relationship and married and kids and whole nine arts, when you find something that when you do it, it actually like makes you happy. It's life affirming. And absolutely. Yeah. It's fantastic. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's good. I mean, it makes me think of uh, what's the film American? Was it American Beauty? Yeah. Where the the kid videotapes the the, the garbage bag and it's just like mm. floating, yeah. You know, in a circle, and he's just seeing how you know the beauty in that. That's how I view photography. That's how photography's changed the way I see the world. You know, if it's the light spilling across a a dirty ass alleyway, you know, like the average person will walk by that and you know not even look twice. But mm. if you're able to have a new see the world with new eyes, you know, I think uh, that's a Proust (laughs) quote, you know, you know, the ability to see the world with, with fresh eyes, uh, man, that's, that's such a gift. It is funny. I do. So like I I was shooting, I have a gear problem in which I will (laughs) go through stuff and change on a whim nonstop. I I know you have a Mamiya seven, beautiful camera. I had a Mamiya six that I got rid of. 
and I had a like M6 Sorry. that I got rid of. No, <laughs> it's funny. So I, I got I, I had my dream medium format camera. I shoot with a yeah. Hasselblad 500 cm, um, nice. and it's a, incredibly analog. And I think that process of being very slow and intentional about my shooting yeah. has made me a better photographer. Whereas with the Mamiya, because it had a built-in light meter, I think I was just shooting. I was shooting <laughs> 120 film like it was like 35, and it got very right. expensive. And I was like, "There's no, in, there's no, yeah, right. There's no intentionality <laughs> behind what I'm doing." So I wanted yeah. to slow myself down. Um, yeah. But I do find that I've now, you know, whether it's shooting with medium format or with a Leica, whatever I was with, I now see life in frame lines. It's yeah. really fucked up and I really wish it would stop, but I see everything <laughs> in frame lines. And it's sometimes yeah. it's wonderful, but it's funny how like I'll be in like just walking to, to get coffee and I'll see people <laughs> in frames. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's bizarre. It is bizarre. <laughs> it, is. it is. Yeah. 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 We, we, uh, yeah. I mean, it changes the way we see the world. It's interesting. I've, I've, I've taught photography to like high school classes, you know, just like not, not as a job, but as like a one, like invited in as a guest yeah. kind of thing. But uh, that's one thing I talk about. And it's, um, you know, it, it, it's bringing those, it's like when you're a photographer, you, you bring sort of these design elements into the way you see the world, you know, seeing uh, composition and color and patterns. And, and it's, it's funny that a lot of that just happens subconsciously, but it's interesting to analyze it and mm. to see what's actually happening yeah. uh, when you're doing those things, you know, it becomes, again, it becomes after a while, it just sort of becomes super subconscious and yeah. you're not even thinking about it, but it, but it's happening. Yeah. It's I was, really interesting. I was in Los Angeles like six, seven months ago and uh, I was with my cousin. I was driving back to the east coast they they moved from la back to new jersey and we were going to breakfast and i there was just the way the light was hitting this like knocked down parking cone i must have shot like seven photos of this parking cone yeah. and my cousin was like what the fuck are you doing i was like trust just trust <laughs> yeah. me i was like just trust me <laughs> this right. is gonna be pretty just trust yeah. me and it is it's yeah. just funny um yeah you've been doing this for a long time do you struggle with confidence at all like do you ever have oh self-doubt yeah and, yeah all the time i don't think there's an artist that 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 doesn't have uh, imposter syndrome, you know, all, all the time. And if, if they say they don't, they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I got to say. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's tough, right? Because it's hard not to compare yourself to others. It's hard not to compare yourself to others work or other people's successes. Mm. Um, but I think the importance and, and um, I, I, just yesterday, like I, I tweeted, I'm like, my tweet yesterday was something like, raise your hand if you just, if you're doing it because you have a love of the process. And I think that you got to remember that, you know, don't worry about your open sea collection selling out. Don't worry about that other guy who's selling his work for three or four or five ETH, you know, totally. Do you love what you're doing? If the answer is yes, then you're winning. Absolutely. You know? Cause if, if you're able to do it, do something you love and bonus, if you do, do something you love for a living, my God, like what a charmed life you're living. It right? is uh it is a, the, the biggest detriment to social media is our context yeah. of what success is and isn't is now so yeah. beyond skewed wrongly. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a photographer by the name of Jason Roman on my podcast a couple months ago. Um, very, very successful photographer, tens of thousands of Instagram followers, like ambassador, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. And my thing was like, I struggle with, well, you know, I don't have a ton of Instagram followers or I don't have a ton of Twitter followers or whatever it might be. And, He's like, when you post an image, like how many likes do you get? I was like, I don't know, like maybe 40 to 60, right? He's like, all right. Mm -hmm. So now for context purposes, take those 60 people and put them in a room. 
right? If you put <laughs> yeah, 60 yeah. people in a room, that's a shitload of people. But the problem yeah, is yeah. we're now conditioned to think if there's not 10,000 people following someone or a million and you're not getting yeah. thousands of likes on something that that somehow doesn't equate to success. He's like, yeah. put 60 people in a room, 60 people who will support you, 60 people who will buy your art and you'll do fine. Instagram disappears yeah. tomorrow. You're going to still take pictures? Yeah, I am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, success is is someone someone getting their pictures and, and messaging me and being like, we cried. We looked at these photos and we literally cried because they were so moving and so touching, you know, or you've captured me in a way, you know, I didn't think was possible. Uh, you know, I mean, look, everyone's self-conscious, you know, about, about the way they look. And, and as a portrait photographer, I, I hear it every single time, you know, everyone, I'm uncomfortable. John, if you wanted to take my photo, I would be super uncomfortable <laughs> with the camera, right? It's, it's just, you know, I'm not a model. I, I just don't have that ability to, to feel comfortable, right? But, you know, if you, can, if you can make someone feel good about an image, but even, even if it's not that, even if it's like, you know, even if you can just someone can just, a single person can appreciate a photo of a, a sunset, you know? I mean, that's a win, right? If you've touched someone in some way with your work, that's a win. But aside from all that, again, it comes back to, did it make you feel good? Yeah. It did going out today and taking those photos make you feel good. Did you enjoy that process? If you did, then that's fucking awesome. Keep and there, there you go. You don't need anything else. Mm -hmm. Just if you like doing that, Keep doing it. Yep. Spot <laughs> on. My, spot on, my friend. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I completely agree. It's like you got to find the things in your life that light you up, right? Like life yeah. is incredibly short. It's an inherently difficult journey. So do the things that make you happy and you'll live a good life. Um, you got it. I like to spend the last bit of every podcast doing like sort of a little wrapping Q&A. Some of them are super sure. easy. Some of them you might have to think a little bit about. Um, but my first question for you is what's your favorite movie? Oh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. So uh, I, I host uh, some Twitter spaces and I just hosted a Twitter space called the Desert Island Edition. And that was one of the questions, like you're on a desert island and by some miracle, you've got a, a VHS player or something <laughs> with yeah. one cassette in it. What could that movie be? And it's funny because, uh, first of all, I'll say naming favorites is a hard thing for me to do. <laughs> and I hate doing it because I like so many different genres and so many different things, but I will give you an answer. So for the longest time, I would tell you that movie would be a film called Baraka. And mm. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's an older one. I think it's uh, early 90s. B-A-R-A-K-A, um, uh, -A -A, Baraka. And it's literally, there's no dialogue. It's just like a visual journey across the planet. It's stunning. And it was really groundbreaking at its time. And I think I saw it in the theater like five or six times. Oh, wow. Um, but it's one of those things where now, uh, now I've seen it enough. So now it's not really like today. It's not my favorite. Um, I have that relationship with movies. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, I, what comes to my next is pretty much anything by Wes Anderson, particularly Darjeeling limited. Oh, so good. Uh, but, but then I saw the new one, the French dispatch. And I was just like, I was like, yes. I was like, I wanted to stand up and clap in my living room as I was watching it because like there's so many moments that just were so good. Yeah. I mean, just genius, genius director and the cinematography is just out of this world good uh, and the acting. Um, so French Dispatch, but my Desert Island pick was none of those because I thought, and, and I'm just going to tell you this because, you know, if you're stuck on a desert island, that's a different scenario, yeah. right? Yeah. 
that's a different scenario than maybe a movie that that you know you really love. But my desert island pick was the Coen Brothers. Uh, oh brother, where art thou? Really? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because it was just like if I'm stuck on a desert island, like that movie just makes me feel good. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It's all over the place. Music, yeah. Right, yeah. right. I mean, you know, I can sing along to the songs right off the top of my head. You know, so yeah, that's my desert island pick. But uh, you know, if I had to pick a favorite movie, probably right now today is French Dispatch by okay, uh, nice. Wes Anderson. Uh, Long answer. <laughs> no, that was a great answer. Uh, what's yeah. your favorite book? <laughs> Oh man. Um, so anything by Wade Davis. Okay. Anything by Wade Davis. He's a Canadian author. He's an anthropologist. Uh, if you ever want to look him up, I mean, he's done some interviews so you can listen to him speak. The guy is an incredible storyteller. Uh, he's, and he tells important stories and he, you know, he, he has books about, um, indigenous languages that are being lost. He's told stories of the uh, Mallory's expedition to Everest oh, wow. and, and the whole story about uh, World War One and how it led to like Mallory and this group of young men, British men, going to explore Everest. Um, he, he's known for the serpent and the rainbow. Uh, mm-hmm. That was kind of what made him famous. But uh, Wade Davis, uh, I mean, he's talked about, uh, you know, he's got another book called, I think it's called The River, um, and he he's he's gone and like to to explore like spent months in the Amazon exploring uh, rivers and you know doing ayahuasca ceremonies and you know uh, talking about uh, indigenous uh, wisdom and and knowledge uh, knowledge of plants and and yeah just just an incredible Wade Davis anything by Wade Davis hands down and I'll, I will say one more another Canadian. Um, there's another author called John Viant who wrote two books that were some of my favorite reads of all time. One is called The Tiger and one is called The Golden Spruce. And they're both a mix of historical with um, fiction. No, not fiction, like real, huh. real stories, like contemporary stories of. So like The Tiger one is about the history of tigers and oh. tigers, but it's about it's also about one specific tiger and this one tiger and this this poacher up in uh, Siberia who's trying to kill this tiger and things kind of went south. So it's like, it flips back and forth from the story of tigers and then this one tiger. Unbelievable story, like just captivating. And the Golden Spruce has a similar theme where it tells this one story, but also uh, tells the history of logging on the West coast of Canada and yeah, like the, the Haida Gwaii islands, which is a place I, I love. So John Viant, uh, those books. Okay, cool. Go. Another long answer. No, it's okay. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Ooh, yeah. Um, I also asked that one on the the, the, the desert island. Yeah. Ah, man, that's that's a tough one. I I love food. <laughs> I love food. Uh, but if 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 you had to sit me down like and just say, okay, you want to eat some right now? I don't know. Like right now, all I want is like a good. French baguette Ooh. with a with a plate of olive oil and really good balsamic vinegar uh, and I could just like dip it and, and just chunks like, of Parmesan cheese. You're a man after uh, my just Italian all day. heart. <laughs> just all day long, man. All day long. Just like dip that bread in the oil and vinegar. Just oh yes. I'm drooling, John. I'm all right. Drooling. Well, I know what I'm doing for lunch today now. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you believe in an afterlife? Uh, you know. The short answer is no. The shorter answer is no. Um, I'm kind of uh, atheist. I'm 
kind of also maybe a little bit of an agnostic. I just don't know. I kind of don't think there is. I kind of think this is what we got. Another reason why I try to remind myself because <laughs> I forget a lot as we all do that life is short and we got to live it. Um, but, uh, you know, we're all, I mean, we're all made from the same stardust that I do believe like there's only so much, so much stardust on this, on this globe and so much carbon. And, you know, there's a little bit of everything in all of us and we're all connected in that way. Uh, but yeah, no, that strikes me. We got. That strikes me as a little bit more agnostic than atheist. I mean, I also look at the question posed as less of a religious and spiritual one, and more of like mm -hmm. a pragmatic. I just I don't know. Yeah, could we exist for yeah. no reason? Just no reason at all. We just fucking poof accidentally <laughs> yeah. here, and I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your yeah. big? What's your biggest fear? Ooh, that's uh, that's a good one. I you know I've got two kids. <laughs> So, you know, I, I worry about them a lot. Sure. You know? uh, one's turning 18, one's turning six. So there's a big difference. Uh, and, I, and I'm worried about both of them for different different reasons. Uh, but uh, yeah, just anything happening to my kids. That's fair. for sure. I mean, I I've, I have friends who have lost children, you know, and that's like, yeah, it's got to be my greatest fear. Yeah. Unimaginable stuff. for sure. Um, yeah. What's your biggest dream? My biggest dream. Uh, my biggest dream is that humanity get humanity gets their shit together. Stop That's a pipe so dream. Fucking greedy. <laughs> stop, stop being, stop being so fucking greedy and just like yeah. spread that shit out a bit. Don't you because, think that like will require aliens or something? Well, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not super hopeful. I'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah, me neither. I'm not super hopeful. You know, we're sad truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, empires rise and fall, and and we're we're fucking falling right now, man. Oh, I don't know. It's sad. I mean, I, I have hope. There's a lot of there's a lot of positive out there, but uh, I think most artists have to be right. It would be hard yeah. to be productive <laughs> yeah. artists without having any hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I don't always create from a place of despair. I generally don't. Yeah. It's from a place of of hope and inspiration. Yeah. So there's that. There's that for sure. For sure. Um, what's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? Oh, let it go. Hmm. Just like let that. it go. Yeah, you know, don't don't sweat it because in the end, like nothing matters. Like, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough. The pandemic's been tough. Having kids is tough. You know, uh, yeah, life is tough, but uh, none of it matters, man. Nothing yeah, matters. I agree. Just let it go. Yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, what's one recommendation that you have for something that you've consumed lately? Could be a podcast, could be a TV show, a movie, a book, a music album, just something that you've consumed lately that you think everyone should check out. Uh, you know that Netflix series? I think it's called The Art of Design. Oh, that... so good. Yeah. Yeah. Like every single episode has been tremendously inspiring and I love it because it's been so diverse. Yeah. Uh, you know, car designers, shoe designers, photographers, contemporary artists, yeah. architects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go and watch any of those episodes and you'll definitely be inspired to go and make some shit. Absolutely. I couldn't co-sign yeah. that more. Um, yeah. my recommendation, I just watched the movie pig a couple days ago. Um, mostly at the behest of my brother-in-law and, uh, a photographer yeah. friend, Stefan Vanasco. There is yeah. a five or six minute conversation pretty much right in the middle of the uh, of the film between yeah. Nicolas Cage and uh, another character that 
from a context and a life perspective was wildly impactful for me. And I think any artist or any photographer or any person who creates for a living will get something out of that conversation. So highly recommend the movie pig. Uh, Sean, I can't be any more effusive and thankful for the time that you've given me today. I uh, just had such a, a wonderful op, you know, chat with you, and I'm so appreciative that uh, you came on the podcast today and, and, and spoke. And, uh, yeah, just uh, super glad to have met you. I have a very cheesy line. If you've been on my podcast, you're part of my family. So welcome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just thank you so much for your time today. John, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled as well and, and happy to be part of it. Uh, and, and thanks, you know, I, I told you when we started this, I could, I could do this all day, but, uh, really it's, it's great. It's great to talk about inspiration and to talk about somebody that, that is inspired, uh, like I am and is curious. So yeah, the pleasure is all mine, John. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. <laughs>